So, uh, everyone, uh, welcome to this uh, edition uh, of a Raw News uh, podcast and also a Kingsway Kickback uh, podcast. Special edition this week uh, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce Matt Walker, uh, author of Europe United, uh, a book where Matt recounts uh, his travels across all 55 UEFA nations uh, to watch a football game in each across the year-long period of uh, the 2017 Summer League season and the 2017-18 Normal League season, uh, and finished with a month of spare, particularly impressive indeed. Uh, the travels were uh, covered in countless media uh, across Europe, uh, including Guardian, Football Focus, uh, the BBC, uh, and BT Sport in Scotland. And uh, from someone who reads a probably unhealthy amount of sports books myself, uh, not only was it indeed one of the best football books of 2019, ranked in the top 18 officially, um, but one of the most easy and enjoyable reads of any sports books uh, I've ever read. Uh, it truly is a full and epic adventure. And for this, we recommend the paperback edition, which is coming out in this May, I believe, Matt. Uh, That's right. Yeah, for years now on the 13th of May, just, just before the just before the Euro. Right. Uh, or if not, you can pick up a hardcover a uh, copy of the book like this, uh, a bit bruised and battered as all good uh, books should be, uh, I think. Excellent. Good to um, hear. So, yeah, uh, you're doing all right, Matt. Uh, I think uh, cooped up in London by myself, but uh, not too bad in the, you know, fine but not fine, as uh, I think everyone is at the moment. Yeah, I, I'm doing OK, thanks, Alfie. It's been, a, it's been a long time, of course, with all these restrictions, but, yeah. Football is still a good escape, even when it's just television. Has, uh, has your move improved by the uh, potential of um, uh, Fulham beating Newcastle in the final day season in front of a half-full Craven Cottage to stay in the Premier League? Well, yeah, we've just come off a, a 0-0 against Crystal Palace, which we dominated. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit less hopeful, but, you know, still 12 games left to play. So, um, you know... I think the key is is that Fulham uh, haven't really played badly in many games since November. So, Matt, uh, could you just give us a background to the uh, idea of the travels and you know maybe some of the uh, early hurdles uh, you faced along the way? Um, yeah, sure. So I came up with a rather crazy idea to go to all 55 UEFA nations and watch a top division match in all of those. Um, kind of about the end of 2015, which was about a year and a half before the actual adventure started. So there's quite a few kind of logistical challenges. Um, the first one is that you know, I'm not a full-time writer. I do have a I do have a job at the time working for the Ministry of Justice, so I had to try and arrange for time away from work. And you can imagine those meetings with your boss saying, um, oh, you'd like to apply for a career break. What are you going to do? You know, maybe look after some family members or you know, do a master's or a PhD. Oh, no, I'd like to travel around Europe uh, and watch 55 countries worth of football games in one season. I can always remember my boss's face when I told him that. Actually, his first response was, oh, that's going to cost you a lot of money, Matt. And actually, that's a that's a sensible point, actually, because I had to be very careful with my budget. I'm, I'm an analyst, um, so I've had various spreadsheets trying to estimate how much the trip was going to cost me. It's not something you can put into Google. You can't put how much does it cost to watch 55 countries worth of football in a year because it just doesn't it doesn't exist. And there were loads of loads of variables around things like flights and um and accommodation costs in, in particular. So I, I came up with a kind of a, an analytical model, which will probably appeal to some of your 
some of your listeners more than more than others. Um, that proved to be very very successful in its in its predictive nature of the nature of the costs. So that was one of the big hurdles was to get the time off work and to and to save up enough money to to to, to cover to cover my cover my travels. But then from a more of a football perspective, there was a lot of logistics with the actual scheduling of the matches. And as you implied earlier, Alfie, there was kind of two sets of seasons. You have your summer seasons, which take place in, as the as the name suggests, sometime between February and, and September, October of each year. And then you've got your classic autumn to spring seasons, which is the majority of, of European uh, nations. So I had to make sure I covered those summer leagues um, early on in my trip so that I didn't I didn't miss the deadline and, and, and miss my target. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, and so uh, following on from that, I'm going to take a sort of semi-chronological uh, approach uh, to, uh, to, the, uh, to the interview and sort of tackling various uh, facets on the way. Uh, so you started off uh, your travels in uh, Georgia, uh, which was one of the more uh, ad hoc uh, decisions of the trip, uh, was it not? Yes, that's right. Georgia was one of those countries that had a, had a summer league, but they, they made the shift just before um, I started my travels. So I was planning on visiting in the autumn alongside their neighbours, Azerbaijan and Armenia, but I had to do a, a rapid uh, change of plan. And uh, I attacked them on at the beginning of my trip, which was, which was due to start in Scandinavia, but instead started in, started in Georgia. And it was actually, um, this isn't mentioned in the book, but it was the only one of the 55 nations that I managed to do while still at work. Yeah. I, actually, I actually used up uh, some of my annual leave before going on my break away from work and did George over a long weekend. Yeah, uh, and uh, you chose uh, Gory, uh, Dilagory, I should say, uh, for your Georgian game. And uh, maybe uh, some of the uh, uh, eagle-eyed amongst you will know that Gory is uh, the birthplace of Stalin. And I think there are a few sort of weird monuments. Was that one of the more like uh, obscure historical uh, uh, pieces of your travels? Yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> As you'll know, the game the game actually got switched to, to Tbilisi. It was due to be held in Gori. But I went to Gori anyhow because it's a, it's not very far from Tbilisi, and also it is a bit of a it's a bit of a bizarre place with a with a, a rather celebratory museum uh, for, for Stalin, who's very um, very well regarded in in large chunks of Georgia as well. Um, yeah, I had a variety of I guess. A lot of the sort of more historical places were some of the crumbling stadiums in Eastern Europe, which, which is certainly something I enjoy sort of traipsing around. So there was some, some kind of vestiges from the, from the Soviet era in the likes of, uh, likes, of, likes of Belarus, for instance, lots of crumbling stadiums there. Uh, yeah, and uh, you followed on from that from doing a, a little mini Nordic leg. Uh, going to Iceland, uh, the Faroes and Norway. And um, uh, was it a nice uh, sort of... Um, uh, easy uh, bit of integration in that you know you went to Reykjavik, Torshorn and Bergen which are three cities which are you know easy to walk around and um, you know but with uh, stadiums all uh, nice and near the city centre. Yeah it was a nice easy start actually mm -hmm. I, I think that's a good way of describing it um, you know there weren't going to be any you know, major crowd problems in the Faroe Islands um, everybody pretty much speaks English in those three countries yeah. um, yeah, it was a nice easy start. The one thing I had to be very careful with is my budget in those countries. Yeah. Because I could easily loan a large chunk of my budget by spending, uh, I don't know, by buying something like a £30 pizza in Reykjavik, which does exist. Um, so yeah, I had to be careful with my money. I couldn't spend too long in those countries. So it was about 
three four days in each of those uh, but it was a nice it was a nice start it was a good um it was a good way to get sort of you know on the football road uh, some of the um, uh, knowledgeable amongst you might know that um, Vorgor Airport, the airport uh, serving the Fairwines, uh, has an extremely limited amount of destinations. Um, Edinburgh, Billund, Copenhagen, uh, Bergen and Reykjavik, which were obviously the two uh, other locations which sandwiched it. So uh, given that, was that one of those moments where, you know, your, uh, your choice of game was kind of, you know, determined by practicalities? Yeah, very much so. I was lucky Bergen were at home. <laughs> so I was able to take a flight from the Faroe Islands to, to Bergen and, and go to the go to the game at Brandenburg. So yeah, very much so. I mean, I, I, I would have had to detour down to probably Oslo if, if, if Bergen weren't at home that weekend. But I mean, these were some of the vagaries. I often didn't know until quite late on whether a team was going to be at home or away. And even when they were at home, like De La Gouri, the, the match got switched anyhow. So I had to be quite flexible with those things, but the, the flights around, you know, that part of Europe at that time, which was the height of summer when there's a lot of tourists traveling around were quite expensive. So mm. I really had to, um, <laughs> you know, leave it reasonably late to uh, to make my decision and go, yeah, I'm heading to Bergen. Yeah, back. you had to, uh, you had to make that flight in uh, Reykjavik, that heart attack uh, moment for you. Yeah, that would have, uh, I think I did estimate how much that would have cost me. It would have been, yeah. it would have been a big, yeah. significant chunk of my budget had I had I not made that plane in in Iceland so I was, I was fortunate there and I think luck was on my side quite a few times throughout my trip. Uh, so, so then followed a sort of mega trip uh, going to Sweden, uh, Russia, Kazakhstan, Belarus, uh, Lithuania, all of the Baltic states sorry I should say um, and also Finland or rather I should say the Orland Islands uh, where you chose to see R R I F K Marham. Great. Uh, how did you find out about uh, such a small quaint uh, village kind of team in you know a nice picturesque Finnish island. I do remember actually the story when they won the title uh, just mm. before I was I, I was out there and um, they were kind of seen as the Leicester city of uh, yeah. Finnish football though they're not as you just said they're from an autonomous region of Finland that speaks mm. Swedish actually mm. um, so it was a bit of a curiosity and I saw the potential to go from Stockholm through the Orland Islands and then on to Estonia by, by, by ferry. And I was always trying to use as many different types of transport as possible. And that really appealed to my kind of, I don't know, yeah. slightly slightly offbeat way of, of traveling and trying to, obviously I had to take a lot of flights, but trying to avoid planes when, 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 when possible. Um, and I do like islands. I'm a big fan of islands. I really enjoy places like the Orland Islands, Faroes, Malta, Cyprus. I, I, I enjoy having seen it by. So it was, it was a lovely way to travel. And, and, and Murrayham was a very um, welcoming, and rather quaint place where a lot of, actually, a lot of Swedish people go on there. On their uh, you spent nearly uh, two weeks in Kazakhstan. Uh, slightly later on was that uh you know due to the fact that you know you were conscious that you might never go out there again as it were I, I guess it was partly that and it was partly due to the fixtures as it often was where I had to you know I had to, I had to you know wait a reasonable amount of time until um uh, until the next game which I think was uh in Russia um it, it, in retrospect it was probably a bit too long given the um Given the amount of time I spent in some of the some of the cities in, in, in Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan is quite a curious place because it doesn't really see a lot of tourists. Yeah. Um, and, and although it's actually quite cheap to be a local there, you know, the cost of public transport is, is and local food is virtually nothing. 
um, the hotel not that cheap, and the infrastructure is not really there for foreign tourists. So there was an interesting national park. Well, we're not here to talk about national parks, but there was an interesting national park um, not far away from Shimkent in southern Kazakhstan. But but to get there would have cost me hundreds of pounds to to, to hire a jeep because there was no there's no organized trip. Yeah, there's no tourists go. <laughs> so it was yeah. It, it was partly due to that, but it's a, it's a, it's a curious place as well. And I, I like those curiosities such as Kazakhstan, which has got real influences from, from China, from the Middle East, from, yeah. from, the, from the surrounding Central Asian states as well. Um, if you are a religious watcher of um, the excellent uh, Simon Reeve uh, BBC documentaries, uh, his various mm. travel documentaries, uh, you'll know that um, the Charin Gorge uh, near Almaty in Kazakhstan is an absolute hidden gem. Uh, where I believe uh, you went to, didn't you? No, I don't think I got outside of Almaty. Um, uh, but I, I have watched um, uh, Simon Reeves' programmes, and um, I think it's called Meet the Stans. It was his first yes, ever yeah. series, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I know. There's actually a Simon Reeve link, although it's a bit of an obscure one, um, because I, I don't know if you remember his his Turkey series where he visited the yeah. uh, the Black Sea coast. So actually, this doesn't make the book at all because I had quite a bit of time on the Black Sea coast. And I focused most of the book on on my time watching Trabzon's war. But um, he did take a rather bizarre homemade cable car when he was in yes, Turkey. I remember that. Yeah. And I took that very cable car, and it was partly because I I remembered it from the Simon Reeve series from a from a few years before. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was a little bit of a bit of a Simon Reeve link. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that, that did look uh, particularly incredible. And um, talking of uh, stomach churning uh, journeys, because the cable car is very high in the air, you said that uh, one of your flights in Russia uh, was particularly uh, stomach churning. Was that, you know, the worst kind of, you know, ramshackle mode of transport you took to a game? Or were there a few others? Um, there was quite a few minibuses around Armenia and Azerbaijan that were pretty tough, particularly as somebody who's six foot six. I mean, I, I'm not sure how many more decades I'll have cramming myself in the back of uh, back of uh, communal minibuses to get from, get from A to B. But that was certainly the worst flight. Um, I certainly didn't feel particularly well after after that one. Although the worst flight I've ever taken in, in in Europe was actually not on this trip. It was a just a social trip to Zagreb when I, I landed in the middle of a thunderstorm and I had <laughs> lightning bolts crashing around the plane. That was a, that was a pretty horrendous trip. No, there have been a few of them with me on um, uh, flying up to Edinburgh a lot to uh, see various family members when often the weather is uh, quite inclement and the landings aren't the uh, prettiest. Um, kind of uh, finishing off uh, this section with a kind of culinary aspect. Uh, in your final two countries, uh, Belarus and Lithuania, uh, you had two kind of polar experiences. You um, had some uh, excellent beer sticks, the uh, football in Lithuania. Um, but for some reason, the beer in Belarus was uh, terrible and you had to end up having a Paulana instead. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and it's one of those um, one of those things that, you know, you go to a foreign country, you see all these fancy labels on, on, on beer, you think, well, I'll try a few. And, yeah. You know, after three or four, you normally find one that's at least palatable. But everyone in Belarus was awful. It was only when I got chatting to a few locals in Vitebsk after the game, they said, well, what are you doing? Drinking, drinking local beer. We don't drink it. It's awful. We drink the German stuff. Mm. <laughs> but as you'll as you know, Lithuania's got a much nicer, uh, much nicer brewing history. Vilnius is actually a really nice place mm. for, uh, for beer as well as football. And, and you know, it helped that it was, uh, you know, 27 degrees and the sun was shining. And, you know, you could have your beer in the stadium with your beer sticks and watch the football, which was 
5-0 win, I recall. Yeah, I think it's uh, kind of a shame that my dad, uh, a regular traveller to Belarus and Ukraine because of his work, uh, I think you'll be the only person you've ever he's ever met apart from himself that has ever been to Vitebsk, uh, right in eastern Belarus. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, location. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then after that, um, came back home, uh, and you did uh, both for Republic and Northern Ireland um, and went to the Oval, in Belfast uh, for one of the game. It's a proper old school uh, uh, British ground uh, in, you know, loyalist uh, East Belfast. Um, did you enjoy, um, I mean, I'm fascinated by uh, Northern Irish history myself. Um, did you enjoy, you know, going, wandering around Belfast and, you know, for various um, murals and black cab tours and even the Titanic Museum? Was it a nice historical place to visit? Yeah, I'd been to Belfast once before with work actually, and it was, it was about 10 years before, and the difference was quite dramatic. Mm. Um, nobody visited Belfast in the 2000s, really, as a tourist. It was you know, just as the budget mm. airlines were getting their legs going. Um, but 10 years on, it was, a, it was, a, it was definitely um, a busier place, um, quite a nice buzz around the city centre. I mean, the weather wasn't great, but that's, that's always, the, always the case. And um, I guess when I was doing my travels, I didn't really use social media a huge amount. I used it to promote. I didn't really follow any accounts, so to speak. But I've, I've realised since how famous the Oval is. Is it's you know if you follow any football ground Facebook group, it, it appears almost on a daily basis as one of the classic grounds. And I think since I've gone, um, that I found out they've actually started doing um, sort of formal tours for groundhoppers oh, at the wow. Oval as well. Hmm. Um, and I, I wonder because I, I did quite a lot of promotion of the Oval, and it, you know, as you as you'll know, it reached one of my top five football stadiums which I recounted at the end of the at the end of the book but um, I wonder if I had a little bit of a uh, little bit of a help there getting um, you know even more groundhoppers visiting uh, visiting Glen Torren and the Oval. Yeah um, and then uh, after the uh, September international break came a sort of Caucasian uh, adventure um, and now uh, I'm in the you know really small minority of um, football fans in England who actually prefer international football to club football. Um, but even then, I was shocked to learn that even the leagues in San Marino or Gibraltar, even they yeah. have, you know, they stop for every international break. Um, so was that, you know, was it nice to, you know, have banker two-week rest breaks in there for you? When I was planning it, I was a bit irritated by the international because yeah. I was like, well, you know, that's, that's contingency time gone. I can't do anything. I'm going to have to come home because there's no point just hanging around somewhere for two weeks waiting for the next league fixture. Um, but actually, this trip, and it doesn't even really come through the book, was incredibly exhausting because of the amount of travel and the amount of organisation and the amount of different things I threw myself into. And it was actually, in retrospect, really nice to have some periods of time when you knew there was no games that you were missing out on. I was able to come home, do some of the mundanities like washing book flights, you know, write up some of my notes, back up the photos. And yeah. then go back onto the road, um, kind of you know, refreshed. And I, I think you know I had a couple of reasonable sized breaks, about three weeks, around about uh, August and then December, partly because of the international pictures and partly because of Christmas and a lot of the leagues shutting down. And I think they were really good for me, um, yeah, sort of personally health wise, keeping keeping myself fit and ready for the road. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in uh, Azerbaijan, on your way to see uh, Gabala. Uh, I believe you're invited to a wedding. Was one of that uh, one of the more weird stories of uh, your travels, weird encounters of your travels as well? Yes, I, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I couldn't make it because I had a game to go to, but it was it was it was a lovely um, 
Yeah, it was a lovely, <laughs> a lovely gesture by the guy. This is one of these, and you know, there is a you never get good good stories really from traveling around by air. But as soon as you go on a train or you go on a shared minibus with a load of locals, you know, you get to meet you know, genuine local people who who, who want to tell 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 you about a country and want to want to show it off and that's exactly what happened in Azerbaijan and you know I could have easily have ended up in a in a wedding if it wasn't for the fact I had to go and watch Kabbalah play. Um, now uh, because of the conflict between um, Azerbaijan and Armenia you had to travel through Georgia uh, to get into Armenia and then after Armenia to go into Turkey through Georgia again was that a particularly grueling part of your travels you know going through the rolling hills of Akalsitke over the Turkish border and you know going back into Armenia as well oh no I, lo I love that region it's so <laughs> fascinating it's a real mishmash of cultures it's got so much uh, so much history um the scenery is fantastic the food's pretty good the beer's yeah, palatable it's and it's cheap it's a lovely place to visit in fact when I came up with the idea I kind of looked at the regions that I hadn't been to in Europe and you know the Caucasus region was one of the ones that was really high up on my list. So it wasn't really that much of an inconvenience. I think if it had come later on in the trip, say April, when I was you know finishing the countries, I probably would have, you know, I, I probably would have just wanted to get it over. But because it was relatively early on in my trip, it was just you know countries, yeah, countries five, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. So yeah, it was um, it was the right time. Absolutely. And uh, obviously you went to a Trabzon Spore in Turkey, if you mentioned. Were they one of the best set of fans? Uh, you yeah, were... definitely. Yeah, I'm, I'm still in touch with a few of them over Facebook. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah, if I ever went back to Trabzon Spore, it would be the same crowd of people who would take me to the games. Have they, yeah, uh, no, they're, a, they're a good bunch. Have they been in Europe uh, since your travels? Because I'm sure if uh, they get into uh, the Europa League group stage or, I don't know, maybe the Conference League in the future, I'm sure you'd keep an eye out for any close games to join up with them again yeah definitely there's there've been a, a couple of clubs actually who were very nice towards me um hmm. uh who, who, who Maribor actually in Slovenia who's invited me to various games I think, I think Maribor played Glasgow Rangers um again they're always playing Glasgow Rangers um shortly after my trip but I, I couldn't make it unfortunately but um yeah they invited me up which, which was which was nice but but Travis boy I wasn't really good with the club the clubs it was more the, it was more the fans and and, you know, they've obviously got a big group of fans in London. So, so yeah, I think it would be, it'd be great to go and watch them. And the famous red and, red and blue stripes. Yeah. Um, and then uh, your journey uh, from uh, Bulgaria to Serbia uh, had a few foxholes on the bus journey between Nish and Krushvac, I believe, as you uh, couldn't pay your bus ticket. Was that one of the bigger foxholes uh, of, your, of your trip? Uh, it was, yeah, it was... I thought I'd get out, I'd get away with it. I mean, I didn't have enough. I didn't have any cash. But I had cash with me, but I wasn't able to change it into, into Serbian dinars because I wasn't anywhere to do so in Nice. It was a bit. It was a little bit irritating. It kind of reasserted something that I always say to people: is you know, you know, always have a bit of you know, sort of universal currency on you, a few US dollars because you know, mm. people generally accept them, even even if you haven't got the local currency. But nobody really wants any Bulgarian currency in Serbia, so. Uh, it didn't really it didn't really help me but it was yeah it was okay i thought i'd be able to get out of it and i did um and um well i'm often annoyed by um perceptions that people still have of um former eastern bloc countries and former post-soviet countries as you know it's still a bit ramshackle it's just like oh yeah you'll you, you'll have a cheap holiday but it'll come of a, uh, a price of you know living somewhere a bit dodgy um which is just not true 
uh, a lot of the time, or at least in my experience. Um, but uh, were Moldova and Romania uh, and maybe Odessa and Ukraine, you know, maybe, you know, the closest you came to, you know, somewhere quite ramshackle where you were staying? Um, yeah, I'd say, yeah, probably Moldova was, was, was the most ramshackle place. Actually, Odessa is a beautiful city with lots of classical architecture, even though I didn't stay in the most salubrious place. Um, but Moldova is just, um, yeah, it's a curious place because Chisinau never really has ever been a capital until the yeah. Soviet Union broke up. It's just, it's not even a, a regional hub, to be honest. I mean, the Soviets didn't pay any attention to it. Um, and suddenly it has been thrown into its importance, not just by being a capital of an independent country, but also on the border of, <laughs> you know, what could be the European Union and, um, and, and, and Russia. So it's, it's becoming incredibly strategic. But it's a bit of a dump. I mean, no, nobody, nobody must go to Kishinev and think, "Wow, this is one of the hidden gems of Europe." Because really, it isn't. <laughs> lots of it's got lots of tower blocks. Uh, the main, yeah. the main stadium, which you would have seen if you've ever watched any of your yeah the, the national teams, is always on there. The yellow and green seats of the, of the main stadium, which is where I went, went and watched Zimbru, is yeah. I mean, it's it's basically a poor man's Carrow Road, um, and. Um, yeah, it's just, and the food is, uh, yeah, off, off the scale, off the scale awful as well. I mean, th there's always something about a place, I would say. I mean, I've traveled to a lot of countries, and some of them are not ones that are traditional tourist countries. And actually, in Moldova, it was the wine. The wine was very good. Yeah. Um, I, I did a number of wine tours, and everyone goes on about the Georgian wine, but I didn't really like the traditional method of, of, of wine production they use in, in Georgia, but actually the the, the Moldovan wines, which are mainly made for the Russian market, actually, were, were, were very nice. And um, so, yeah, that's what I took out of, uh, out of Moldova, really. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a classic city break contender, even when we get past COVID. Were your, um, uh, I think it was in Odessa when you experienced something uh, like chicken livers or some god-awful meal. Was that your worst uh, meal of the trip? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You say there's a, a there's a bit of a cliche about you know sort of Eastern Europe being ramshack and what and, and whilst you know a lot of the city centres have been revamped recently, the food's not moved on massively. It's still, it's, you know, I ate a lot of brown food in Eastern Europe, yeah. and uh, and I, th I found that actually one of the biggest challenges because it was so hard to find vegetables. You know, I, mean, yeah. I was hardly I wasn't self catering because it was very cheap to eat out anyhow. But normally I'd be just eating meat and potatoes. Yeah. And sure, if you live in the middle of Zagreb, I'm sure you can get you can get some nice sushi, etc. But I wasn't in I wasn't in such cosmopolitan places most of the time. Yeah, I am um, uh, some from my uh, time in training, uh, which is about two to three weeks. Obviously, it's the same thing when you're going for Eastern Europe and you're either eating out every night or you know you're getting a takeaway and you're not getting vegetables. So on a few occasions, my friends would just buy a bag of carrots uh from a local supermarket just to get some vegetables down them um is a, a bit of respite uh, <laughs> i can i can sympathize with that yeah um and um uh, you went to the low countries after where um, i believe you got a hire car uh, around uh, to you know navigate between uh hint uh Gladbach and the hague fairly easily um uh was that was that nice did you enjoy uh, the bits of travel where you know you had a hire car, you weren't having to go for a flight, or you know, you know, uh, you needed to make uh, a bus at this hour. Um, did you enjoy um, uh, the times when you got a hire car? That's uh, a good question. I have to say, not really, uh, because I mean, I, I, I mean, everybody, 
you know, perhaps in this post-COVID world, I'd, I'd enjoy a, a driving holiday a little bit more. But there's a couple of things I didn't like about hiring a car. I mean, it was the, the example you just gave. It was a necessity because it was actually impossible by public transport to get between the the, uh, the three games in less than 48 hours. Um, so I had to hire a car. Um, but I didn't like the fact that there was no chance of meeting anyone else. I mean, even on a flight, you've got a minimal chance of bumping into somebody on the plane. And there's a few stories in the, in, in the book, but you've got absolutely zero chance to meet anybody when you're you're just driving yourself around. Um, another thing is, is a, you know, I did like to try the local beer, and uh, you know, if I'm driving, yeah, you know, something, you know, something that I, I I can't I can't do. And and the third thing is kind of a practical thing. It's just something you can't do when you're driving a car. It's just not it's not possible to uh, you know to research whilst on a train or a bus. You're able to do a bit of research on the web. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess it was uh, exacerbated by the um notoriously flat and uh, fairly boring landscape of um, uh, Wallonia and um, northwestern Germany and uh, the Netherlands uh, as well. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Very, very boring place to drive. Yeah. Um, and uh, another little Balkans uh, leg, a nice little cluster of countries. I mean, I, I myself am very lucky to be uh, quite well, well traveled. I'm halfway there uh, visiting every country in Europe, uh, which I'm... I'm Excellent. Uh, so yeah um but you're about um, half my age as well which is, which is quite appropriate <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll see. um uh, but albania was uh, another one of your big uh, foxholes um how did you manage to uh, bluff way in bluff your way in uh, to the ground i i think it is partly confidence as long as, as long as you get across that you're you know you're kind of someone which you know, I wasn't someone. I was traveling around Europe watching football. But as long as you, you can refer to a, a, you know, a news article, fortunately, I had a Guardian article then. That I actually printed out and brought along with me on a few of these things. And it actually was quite useful because you know, they, could, they could see it was a headline in the Guardian football. And everyone knows the Guardian football is obviously one of the best free um, football resources out there. Um, but yeah, I had, to be, I had to be confident. I had to, you know, be very respectful, you know, it's one of the number one rules when you're traveling is never lose your call even when it you know it could have been a really massive frustration if i wasn't able to make it into the into the game which was behind behind closed doors due to, due to crowd violence at a, at a previous fix and i think that that that, that, that paid off and it was unfortunate that the, the game was, was 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 the worst of the entire trip so it, it was played behind closed doors and really it should have been played because behind closed doors because there wasn't much to say of note about the match um, what was it like visiting Corfu in the winter? Yeah, it was a bit strange, actually. I, it, it, you know, there were lots of enormous restaurants with nobody in them um, because it's it's very much a tourist town. Um, you know, even Corfu town, which is yeah. UNESCO World Heritage um, um, capital of the island. So it was, it was a little bit strange. I didn't find the locals particularly friendly there. Um, and I've subsequently visited Greece. I've subsequently visited Greece, um, uh, the Peloponnese, which is a different part, and and I found the locals very friendly there. So I think it was just a case of the season. Everyone was a bit knackered and you know, fed up with tourists. And the last thing they wanted to do was 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 converse with converse with me, and the weather was terrible as well, which doesn't help. 
were the um, uh, epic uh, monasteries of uh, Meteora one of your favourite landscapes? Uh, that you oh, ab yeah. absolutely fantastic. I mean, it was a bit of a detour, to be honest. Uh, you know, it was an extra you know, half a day's driving to go there um, after, 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 you know, after going back from Corfu uh, to Albania and then driving into, driving into Greece, but it was really worth it. And it got absolutely fabulous weather, even though the, the temperatures were, were, were really, really cold. I think it was below freezing at night, but um, beautiful blue skies. And yeah, no, fantastic, it, uh, both from a cultural perspective and also for the scenery as well. Yeah. In, um, uh, did you get a sense in North Macedonia and the Greek region of Macedonia that was it, uh, did they, you know, were they eager to talk about, you know, the name situation uh, there? Is it, you know, often a hotly contested issue like it's portrayed in the media or is it something that people kind of, you know, don't think about on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, I got the impression from speaking to, um, yes, yeah, to a few people in Macedonia, as it was known, uh, now it, of course it's changed its name to that they, were, they were kind of more concerned with, with, with some of the Albanians um, and, and some of the issues with them than they were with, with Greece. Um, I think it was kind of, I think kind of the Greeks find it more of an issue than, 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 than the North Macedonians or Macedonians do. Um, but there's, there's a large ethnic Albanian population in, in, in Skopje and other parts of, in other parts of Macedonia and, and um, you know, certainly some conflicts between the, between the Macedonians and, and, and the Albanians. And I think that's what they were more concerned about at the time. But I mean, these things changed quite, 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 quite rapidly. Um, were uh, your games in uh, Denmark and Poland? I mean, I've been to Helsinki uh, in the summer as I haven't experienced it in the winter. Um, but yeah, were Denmark and Poland, uh, the Helsinki Bromby and uh, Vizsla Krakow games, were they the most cold? Uh, of your travels did you you know struggle to keep warm during the games yeah they were definitely the ones I wasn't really looking forward to love warm weather and they were the coldest ones I think uh, probably Cracovia I think it was probably the probably probably the coldest air temperature but Helsingor because it was almost like once you go into a non-league ground in, in yeah. England you don't get any of the warmth from the crowd there because it's quite sparse and that felt I felt particularly cool. I think I think I had a drink, quite a few drinks before the Helsinki game. Yeah. Um, it helped um, you know, make it through the that. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, and uh, did uh, for the uh, GB leg uh, over on uh, Christmas and New Year, uh, did you get the train from uh, Inverness to Dingwall in Scotland? Yeah, I did. I got the train one way and the um, bus on the way back. Just well, yeah, because um, I like the different, like the different yeah. methods of transport. Well, the the far north line, um, which goes from Inverness to all the way through um, Caithness and Sutherland, all the way to Thurso, uh, is absolutely spectacular. It's a beautiful uh, train journey, and um, I'm sure it was nice to you know visit a corner of uh, the UK where you know, which is more or less on our doorstep, where you know you maybe wouldn't have without the motivation of a football game. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I was keen to go. To, I mean, I'd only really visited Ed, Edinburgh and Glasgow in Scotland before, and I was keen to visit somewhere that wasn't Edinburgh and Glasgow. Um, so yeah, and, and I really like the kind of seeing the most northerly team in, yeah, in, in the Scottish top division, the most southerly in in the English English top division as well. I thought that was uh, that was nice. Um, 
nice contrast with Anita in the top division there, of course. Um, so yeah, it was good. It gave me a motivation to go to somewhere a little bit different. And um, that's the same could be said for Wales, actually, where I went to London. No, not, not a part of Wales I've ever been to. Um, Israel and Cyprus uh, in January, was that some much needed heat for you after uh, an extremely cold December? Or at least, you know, 15 degrees at a minimum to, you know, get off? Yeah, it got, it got, got up to about 20 in Israel in January. Oh, it was, yeah, it was, it, yeah, it was lovely. It was just, it was so nice to have a bit of sun on me after, um, I mean, you know, normally I would be working in an office and you're not quite so exposed, but when you're going out, you know, sightseeing into football matches, you know, you can get seriously cold. I had a lot of layers on a lot of these matches in, in yeah. December and January. So it was lovely to get a, a bit of light. Um, and Tel Aviv and Jerusalem are two incredible cities just an hour apart from one another. Um, you know, I, I went with kind of, you know, maybe a few reservations about Jerusalem would because you know, I love the history of that sort of part of the world. But actually, both places were, were fascinating in their own way. And um, late January, uh, February was your epic uh, Mediterranean leg uh, of, uh, of the trip, uh, some particularly arduous journeys to Gibraltar and Andorra here. But um, one was from Malta to Sicily to Calabria, sort of a kind of um, ninth century uh, Islamic conquest uh, following uh, the footsteps of a uh, journey. Was that one of your favourite journeys of the trip? Because I know you, uh, you really like Mount Etna, especially. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really good. I, I found out about the um, the famous train that goes onto the boat between Sicily and the mainland of Italy um, quite early on in my research, and I thought well, that'd be great to be able to do. It was I got the ferry from Malta to Sicily as, as the first part of that journey, and actually it would have been cheaper if I'd taken a Ryanair flight. <laughs> One of those things, but I was desperate to do it by service. So sometimes I didn't always take the, uh, take the, cheapest, the cheapest option. And sometimes you reach somewhere which is totally out of season and has some fantastic, uh, fantastic sites like Sicily. And, and, and yeah, I really, I really enjoyed wandering around the likes of Syracuse and, and yeah, and of course Mount, Mount Etna. And then I had the kind of, as you remember from from the book, I had the kind of the, the crazy situation of Rai Due, the one of the one of the big um, TV channels in, in Italy wanted to accompany me on the journey. So they actually they actually flew down from Milan where they were based to, uh, um, to Sicily to join me on the, uh, on, the, on the train, which went across on the, on the ferry. So that, that made it even more special actually, particularly as they were, they were a really great duo. Uh, that uh, brings you on to a point, um, even, even if uh, you've read the book um, and you've maybe joined uh, Matt's Travel slightly late, uh, the 55 Football Nations website is still there and it's got, you know, month by month uh, updates of the trip. And that includes the video, said video uh, on Italian TV of him visiting Crotone, featuring a, a really good Cockney rejects uh, accompanying uh, track. Uh, so it's good watching. Uh, go see it. Uh, and speaking of uh, out of season things in Spain, Italy and other, you know, places on the Med, would, did you manage to, you know, maybe slightly treat yourself to a fairly decent out of season hotel at a reasonable price and, you know, the same with restaurants? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I was able to get pretty good rates. I reckon probably about a third of the, the, the summer rates in most of these most of these places. So actually the countries which I, you know, you'd think would be traditionally some of the more expensive, like, like the holiday countries around Mediterranean were pretty reasonable out of season. Um, so yeah, I've managed to stay in nicer places than I've had I'd visited in, you know, in the summer. So it worked out quite nicely that way. And, and 
you said what it was actually the beast from the east um yeah. hit europe that, that, that month yeah. february 2000 february 2018 and we've just been had a bit of a revisit recently of course with the the bad weather um a couple of weeks ago in in, in certainly in the south of south of england so it was great to be in in, in warmer sort of southern europe um when, when that hit um the northern europe european countries and, and quite a few games got got cancelled yeah, you've, uh, you've read my mind uh, with that uh, comment there because that would have been one of my next questions. But um, also speaking of treating yourself, one of the games you saw in Spain was um, severe against Atleti. Um, was that a conscious decision to think I'm going to watch at least one really good elite game on my travels? Or was it, you know, just being in Andalusia and it was one of the games which was on? My, my first game there was the Malaga game. That was the one that I wanted to see because I did want to kind of stick with the stick with the the, the kind of the uncelebrated teams where where possible. When um, yeah, when when Sevilla Atletico Madrid popped up in the calendar, it was going to be one that I was going to be hard to hard to ignore. And also, Seville's an amazing city that I visited a couple of times before, so it was great to great to go back there. Um, I also had an, it doesn't get mentioned in the book, but an English friend of mine was in traveling in Spain at the same time. So we were able to meet in, in, in Seville and in, and in, and in Cordoba as well. So I had a little bit of company because by that stage I was you know, traveling for a lot of time. So it was quite nice to have some friendly bases um, when I was, you know, when I was free for a few days. Absolutely. Um, a question, sorry, that has just uh, popped into my mind, just rewinding it back to the Crotone uh, leg of a trip. Uh, on the video, you know, you, it shows some of your reactions to the Crotone's goals, etc. And um, you have a glass of some red substance. Was that a glass of wine at a football game, deviating from your beer norm? <laughs> yeah, there wasn't much beer at the... Uh, we were on the VIP suite, courtesy of my um, television friends. And um, mm. there was quite a lot of wine being passed around. And people were sort of smuggling bottles under their, under their jackets and stuff like that. Very nice anti-pasty as well, but there wasn't much beer on offer, so I took the wine into the uh, into the stand afterwards. So that was quite <laughs> that was yeah. quite nice. It was not a cold, wet match actually, so the, the wine helps uh, help helps to get through that one. Um, and um, obviously, in that Mediterranean leg with Gibraltar and Andorra, um, which was your favourite uh, micro state uh, that you visited? Do you think overall? Oh, favourite micro state. Yeah. Um, um, well, for the football or for uh, or, or for the geography and the culture? Either, because I'm sure for the football it'd be Luxembourg, right, in terms of quality. Yeah, um, yeah, Luxembourg was fun. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I would go for Luxembourg for football. For culture, actually, Malta is really interesting <laughs> um, because it's got so many influences from yeah. different parts of different parts of Europe, from Britain, from Italy, from North Africa, from, yeah, so I think yeah. you know, Malta, is, Malta is well worth visiting just for a, from, a, from a cultural perspective. Yeah. And, you know, the, the football was, wasn't great, to be, to, to be fair, I actually saw five matches there more than anywhere else. I, was, I think I deserved a medal after the last couple of games. I think uh, Maltese is the only uh, language in the Latin alphabet which is a Semitic uh, language. Yeah, it's it's a very nice language to listen to, actually. And it's, a, it's you really only are going to ever hear it in Malta because there's a mm. relatively small population. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely language to listen to. It's, you know, some words spreading from all over, all over, from, from yeah. North Africa, from the Middle East. Yeah, it's great. Um, 
in also March, you did you ticked off uh, Czech Republic, Austria, and Slovakia uh, all over one weekend. Um, and uh, for that, you went to uh, Prague in the Czech Republic, Merdling in Austria, but which is basically urban sprawled into Vienna uh, now, um, and base yourself in Bratislava, um, which is obviously quite a capital city focus, uh, which you know wasn't typical of your travels. Was that uh, logistics rearing its ugly head that forced you uh, to do that? Yeah, it was really, because I had to cover all three countries in one weekend. So, it, you know, the three capitals are relatively close together. So it made a lot of sense to go to Prague, yeah. to Vienna, and then on to Bratislava, where I could reach Shalino, uh, which was the yeah. place I saw there. Um, I've been to, I've been to, well, I haven't been to Bratislava before, but I've been to the other two cities before. Well, uh, me and my mates had our, um, our August bank holiday A-levels uh, trip, we chose Bratislava because it was the cheapest flights going and it's not a place you want to spend more than five days in. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. No, I, I, I've read a travel blog recently that called it something of a hidden gem and I, I kind of disagree because, uh, you know, when you've got the you've got the big yeah. hitters nearby, like like Budapest, like Prague, like Krakow and, and you know, Bratislava just feels, yeah. I think it's brilliant for a weekend or three days. Because you've got a days, yeah, it's okay. I think it's really nice then, but then beyond that, I think, I think you run into. Um, <laughs> um, were there no were Rapid or Austria Vienna not playing that weekend or on the uh, Saturday, I believe, where you had to go and uh, watch the game? Did so? Did you have to go to Merdling out of uh, logistics? I think they were the only one in that part of Austria on yeah. that day. I think otherwise, I'd have had to travel further further west but as you'll know i then went on to Slovakia, so it was important that i stuck to the eastern side of the country so th these are the sort of logistical things i always had to think about you know sometimes you know there might have been a slightly more interesting fix with it in another part of the country but then if you're going six hours out of your way yeah. um, it's costing you a lot of money and a lot of time and also when, you're when I was thinking about the fixtures, particularly when I had these rapid turnarounds, you know, I was always, you know, trying to integrate myself and get stories from work and, you know, from my own uh, enjoyment. And it was always very hard when you rocked up in a country like four hours before kickoff. Um, so you wanted to try and keep the amount of time. You know, ideally, I like to arrive in a city the day before kickoff. That would be my yeah. perfect um, amount of time because I've got time to maybe go around and have a look around the sites. You know, maybe meet a few people in pubs, bars, sports clubs, um, restaurants, and then you've got the day of the game itself. Um, yeah, that, that's definitely true. Um, after that, a journey across uh, Austria, which I'm uh, particularly jealous of, uh, given Austria I've been to um, the most out of any foreign country. It's one of our favourites of our family. Uh, the only state we haven't been to is the Bergenland, actually, which is just a tiny little uh, slice of eastern marshland on the Hungarian border, which is mostly ethnically Hungarian anyway. Um, was that a really a nice journey, um, you know, on the shore of Lake Constance uh, towards St. Gallen, despite it maybe being a touch expensive? I don't remember it being too bad, actually, the, uh, the, the train ticket. I think it was one of these um, you know, sort of online fairs, and because I was travelling on a strange strange day i can't remember what day of the week it was i think it might have been a monday but yeah it was you know, it was a lovely trip yeah it was really enjoyable and um i hadn't i hadn't taken quite as many trains as i was expecting because you know a lot of um the connections in in, in eastern europe are, are also by bus and and, and um, i had to take a lot of flights to get some of the more obscure places so yeah i really enjoyed that long train journey it went actually went by munich and then back down to St. Gallen. Um, now, uh, for those watching uh, the YouTube edition uh, of this, they'll be able to see that I'm in a, a St. Gallen uh, jersey picked up from a hiking holiday. 
to the Graubunds and, and uh, St Gallen. Uh, it's a lovely, lovely uh, city, uh, St Gallen. Uh, really nice um, university uh, architecture and home of the uh, Schützengärten uh, Brewery. Um, what was, um, did you enjoy the beer in Switzerland? Um, it was fine. I'd say, you know, it didn't reach the heights of some of the other countries that I, that I went to, but well, it, yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah, it, it was fine. It was quite, quite smooth. Um, I think um, it was only St. Gallen is cheaper than Zurich. So, you know, it wasn't quite so wasn't quite so harsh on, on the wallet. And I, I did have um, a very good contact um, in, 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 in Switzerland as well, in Gallen, who, who treated me to a number of things, which was very, very kind of me. Um, uh, I can't quite remember which you ranked as a uh, top of the hops uh, in the end, which was kind of like a side bit uh, of your football uh, travels. Was it something uh, Germanic or maybe something uh, unexpected? I think Latvia was high up. <laughs> So that was well. That was, that was one of these sort of unexpected, unexpected countries. I think they use a lot of honey in their beer there, which is it depends if you've got a sweet tooth or not. But I quite like sweet beers when they when they put a lot of uh, sort of honey or chocolate. So yeah, that's um, that was certainly one of the, one of the better uh, one of the better countries um, to, to to visit. But yeah, I mean Switzerland was fine um, with regards to the with regards to the uh, the beer. That it was really the, the group of fans I was with throughout my time there that, that really made the story. Um, so yeah, it was great. And actually, when I launched the book, which was August two thousand nineteen, and um, invited a number of people from my travels, you know, more as um, I didn't really expect half of uh, Tel Aviv to fly across for the, the book launch, but um, Bert in uh, Switzerland flew across from St. Gallen and was the only person from outside the UK to be there at the launch, which was fantastic. That's great. Um, Liechtenstein, I think, is a country that interested me most. Uh, during your travels. Um, were you delighted when uh, FC Vaduz got relegated from the Swiss top flight into the Swiss second division, which meant that you could save 55 football leagues? Because if um, listeners don't know, um, all teams in Liechtenstein playing the Swiss football pyramid, it's the only UEFA nation without um, a domestic league. Yeah, it's a good question. I was actually hoping they stayed up. Just, uh, uh, but... In retrospect, it did give me 55 leagues, which previously would have, you know, it would have been 54 leagues and won twice. But um, I was kind of hoping they stayed up because it kept the top, it was the top division um, definition yeah. would, have been, would, have been, would have been kept too, but it would have only been 54 leagues. So it was kind of either, either way, whatever. I had to go to the highest performing team in each country, which yeah. obviously well, which is, um, were playing at the time in the, in, in the second. All the other teams in uh, Liechtenstein, um, like Ruggel and uh, Eschen Mauer, and play in the Swiss uh, fourth or fifth tiers. So that would have been like a, a, a non-league game, definitely not uh, part of the top flight, <laughs> um, uh, part of your venture. Um, with your meeting with Ernst, uh, one of uh, your favourite people you came across uh, during your travels, or one of your best, you know, experiences. Yeah, Ernst. Yeah, this is an absolute legend. Um, I think he's, he's I think he's fully retired now. He's he's been writing about Liechtenstein football for decades, but he still does it a bit in his, his spare time. Um, yeah, he was very very good to me. He was very good to Charlie Connolly when he was writing the book about Liechtenstein's grounds, which helped inspire my my own my own challenge. Um, and it was amazing to visit him at his house as well, up in the up in the Highlands, overlooking 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 Vaduz. Um, I didn't really expect him to give me that much time, but 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 you know it's a small place, it's a friendly place, and, he, and I often found the 
found the best stories came from from those sort of those sort of those sort of countries. I guess the only downside about the game was it was a bit of a dead rubber at the time. Uh, neither team were going up and neither team were going down, which were, were the type of games I tried to uh, avoid on my trip, but you know, became unavoidable later on in the uh, later on in the challenge. Absolutely. Um, uh, well, the final leg in April uh, took you across uh, various Visegrad states and uh, the Balkans as well. Well, only one Visegrad state in Hungary, but uh, various countries in the Balkans. Um, and in Slovenia, um, but also in Hungary, uh, where you visited um, uh, Pushkash uh, Academia, who play in the um, Orbanite, I'm going to adopt that as a word, a village of uh, Felkshit. Um, uh, and you also visited like Lake Hevige and uh, Petch, like some really nice areas. Was that one of your most like rural uh, journeys during your trip, given you went to see a village team there and, you know, you went through the Slovenian countryside as well? Yeah, I think so, actually, um, particularly the southern part of Hungary. I mean, there, I was driving around some tiny roads there following Google Maps uh, on my phone and, and, and you know, they, they were almost as if they hadn't been touched by the European Union. You know, yeah, it was just yeah. it was like it was like a throwback to. I mean, I've been to some rural parts of Romania that were quite similar. Actually, it was like a throwback to forty or fifty years ago, with just a, you know a row of houses along a, along a, a little street in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah, it was quite enjoyable actually. It quite, it, the weather was turning at that time. It was quite pleasant. Um, you know, I was obviously in my last um, last trip of about five or six countries, and. Um, yeah, it was it was a it was a good place to uh, a good place to end the end the trip, and obviously I was in Budapest, which was kind of the last major city on my on my trip as well. Uh, absolutely. Um, and uh, was the Pantro Arena one of your favourite stadiums? It's another bucket list stadium for many a uh, football. Uh, oh, I mean, phenomenal. I mean, I would go back again because I was there for a day a day kickoff, but I would love to see it nice as well. Yeah. Um, where it would look it would look fantastic it'd be almost like a kind of a magical wood in the middle of nowhere um i got into some trouble there about taking pictures of uh, all bands parking spot outside the was a bit lucky to get away with that um it took an enormous amount i didn't include in the books these sort of things are quite quite tedious but it took me an enormous amount of negotiation to get my camera into that stadium i mean it was email after email to between various people in in hungary to finally get the approvals um, I was glad I was able to because it was it was actually stunning inside. Are they um, quite you know on it with people taking photos on their phones, or did you really want it with your you know uh, high definition camera? Uh, most countries don't care about your phone, to be honest. I mean, I, I'm not sure I saw any problems with that. I mean, it was it was mainly trying to get my um, yeah my DSLR and DSLR in, which is you know it's it's quite a chunky camera, particularly with a 300 mil zoom on. Um, but I kind of I guess. You know, when I was starting out on this whole adventure, you know, I was always more of a photographer than I was a writer at the beginning. Um, and I, I think perhaps now I'm more of a writer than a photographer is the way things work. But I was very keen to document everything as, you know, with as high spec photos as possible. Um, and a lot of them are up on the website. And of course, some of them got used for the book as well, which was great. Um, but I think perhaps in if I could change a few things, I maybe would have gone a bit cooler on the photos and focus really on the experience even more. Um, and that maybe would have, would have saved me, you know, sort of some of these conversations about cameras. Well, um, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, unfortunately only about 10 or 11 photos make it into the book, but again, on the website, there's about 10, 15 photos for each country you went to, and they're all, uh, they're all great. Uh, especially, as you said, some of the ones from your Caucasian countries are really spectacular. 
uh, for, for landscapes. Um, and uh, wouldn't rule out Pushkash Academia being in Europe in the near future either. Yeah, looking good. Um, yeah, Second because, place at the moment, I gather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they've got the uh, they've got the backing, uh, <laughs> definitely, to say the least. And then, um, yeah, yeah, finished off in Montenegro. Um, I think that's a really brilliant choice as your final country. You know, it'll definitely be you know belting hot in uh, late April, lovely Adriatic coast. You know, fairly obscure football. Um, and was it really nice to meet up with your mates? I think uh, came to visit you. Yeah, it was, it was it was great. Yeah, about a dozen or so friends came out to to, to Montenegro at the end, which was you know given it's not the most accessible of places. Which was it was you know it's fantastic. A few people tagged on to the extra holidays in Croatia as well. Obviously, the game was always going to be awful. Yeah. Um, because it's the last match, and you've experienced you know some some real yeah. thrillers and eight ones, nine nils, five twos, and you know it was a one nil the last match. And I was quite glad at least it wasn't goalless because I didn't have too many goalless matches in my on my travels but but yeah it was a, it was a lovely end to the trip i i guess you know montenegro is never really going to be about country so much it's more going to be about the end of the conclusion and, and and you know yeah how i felt about the whole trip having gone through it all and finally finished it with you know round about i think i had about three or four weeks contingency left i think uh along with the um lff stadium in vilnius which i believe you uh, went to um the uh stadium that's right Pod uh, Gorachum uh, is the other in Pogoritza is the other uh, stadium in Europe where I'm sure England fans are uh, pretty sick of visiting uh, by now Stadice in Ljubljana uh, too. Um, I think uh, I can't remember if it's Mladost or Buduknos, but I think one of them is rebranded as Tisagrad now and it's called just a bit of a stir if I'm not correct. That's right. Yes, it has bad a rebrand. Um, <laughs> I think it's Mladost have changed their name now. Um, so yeah, it's. I mean, some of these things go around in circles, though. I mean, we were quite familiar in England with teams pretty much holding their names forever, but it doesn't work that way in in other countries. They get rebranded every three or four, yeah. every three or four years. Uh, from a perhaps selfish uh, perspective, were you quite happy that Fulham's uh, mega run? toward the end of the 17-18 season didn't quite get them into the automatics and it meant that you can, uh, you managed to get to see them get promoted in the playoffs uh, at the end of the day. Well, I managed to make that game at Birmingham, which if we'd won and other results had stayed the same would have been uh, automatic. So. Yeah. It was it was special for the book to, to, to you know, end it at Wembley, you know, with my dad watching, you know, for the very first time watching my team play at the National Stadium winning. Um, so yeah, it was it was a special end to the trip. I, I would have preferred automatic promotion, but but yeah, I, I think it was a it was a nice uh, a nice conclusion for the for the book, and then afterwards there was a bit of a epilogue at the World Cup as well. Was it a derby he had in the playoff semi? Did he manage to get to that as well? Yeah, I went to the semi as well. So I mean, that's perhaps something I wouldn't have been able to do had I been working, but because I wasn't I wasn't working, I was able to take. Uh, Take Fulham bus up from uh, up, up from uh, <laughs> Stevenage Road to uh, to Derby and back again. So. Hmm. Um, just to uh, finish off the chat with some uh, general uh, questions. Um, uh, sure. Oh, uh, some of them uh, finish uh, get get to foot. But um, did you have any uh, like really like bizarre moments during the game? So either like a massive brawl on the pitch or a completely fluke goal. 
or you know like um a ref getting injured or you know anything like that I mean, there was a there was a huge punch up in um, a Republic of Ireland. Uh, it was kind of a real kind of like, yeah. I think it was the first real beef I think I saw in the whole on the whole trip. And because uh, it was in um, uh, it was in Bray Wanderers, so it was a very small uh, very small ground. So it some, somehow it if it feels a lot more insane when you you know the crowd are just five yards behind the goal. <laughs> so that was that was that was quite yeah. quite fun. Was the um, uh, goal that the uh, goalkeeper scored for Krumkachi in Belarus like the most incredible thing you've ever seen? Yeah, I, I, I have gone on about this goal quite a few times. And I think yeah. uh, some people have heard the story uh, a, number, a number of times, but it was a great one to put because nothing really that spectacular had happened until, until I hit Belarus and the goalkeeper scored from his own penalty, which is not something I've seen in any live game ever before. I know. But there was also a fantastic, uh, there was a fantastic chip uh, in one of the Cyprus games I saw at well against AK Larnaca um, that was from just about the halfway line. Um, so I did get to see two incredibly spectacular, uh, spectacular goals. I don't think either of them were flukes. Well, I think the goalkeeper one was a fluke, but the, the, the chip certainly wasn't. Um, and did you have any um, locations where you know? They weren't, you know, the ones you were most looking forward to, perhaps, you know, maybe a fairly average location on paper, um, but really surprised you and, you know, you really enjoyed uh, in the end. Hmm. Um, I think I think Luxembourg was a place which I, I think we mentioned it earlier. I mean, it was my favourite of the micro states and actually like Luxembourg City, which I hadn't been to before, is quite, quite a neat capital. Um, but the standard of football was, was actually better than I was expecting. Uh, I mean, it's quite hard to compare to the English system. But, but I mean, um, you know, Progress, Niedercorn and Didelange, the other team that I saw, both had reasonable, reasonable results in Europe recently. And the national team's been, been, yeah. been carefully improving as well, such a small, such a small country. So I'd say both for, the, both for the location and for the football, I think Luxembourg exceeded my admittedly quite low expectations. It was also one of those countries that went around on my schedule, three or four different places, depending on um, <laughs> depending on when they moved the fixtures. So it was it was one of those that was becoming more and more irritating. I finally managed to tick it off, I think, a number of differences. Yeah, um, it's, uh, I, I wouldn't even move them out um, qualifying for Euros, given they're now in League C and, you know, the Nations League playoffs are now a thing. Um, unfortunately, they, um, they've uh, also... Uh, succumbs to um, a Lego stadium, as I like to call them, as their new national stadium, which is just a bit useless and boring uh, for me. But you know, uh, that is so. I, I, yeah, so Luxembourg was was definitely a place. And actually, I mean, I, I don't want to go too much about the British countries because because they they're obviously far more familiar. Um, and countries and Wales and the islands because it's it wasn't really what my trip was about and yeah and um just to finish off um it's obviously a book about uh traveling as well as uh football fundamentally so what 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 was your favorite journey do you think uh to a game well my favorite journey to a game uh um it's quite a uh, quite a tricky one because normally I was within 
I was in within range, so to speak, of a <laughs> of the of the match. I think the San Marino one was bonkers because I, I ended up walking for about an hour down a mountainside to actually reach the stadium. It was actually quite hard to find as well. Which yeah. you think in a, you'd think in a tiny country it would be easy to find the stadiums, but, but San Marino is quite mountainous. And, yeah, and Google Maps and that is best in places like San Marino. I think I think I was just relieved to make it to the stadium there because yeah. I was getting quite a country count. It would have been very awkward if I had uh, managed to get to a, a game, and it was also a very late kickoff as well. I seem to remember after nine o'clock. So yeah, I think I think that was just relief more than uh, I think. I think it would have been quite a picturesque journey had it not been uh, had it not been dark. Yeah, I think uh, like you, I would have backed myself to uh, get onto the pitch if uh, <laughs> I was able to uh, as well in uh, San Marino, uh, given the definitely probably the worst quality of football uh, at your travels. Oh, so, so, yeah. I mean, yeah, even, even in Andorra, you've got players who used to play in some of the Um, well, uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Matt Walker, uh, for giving up uh, your time. And uh, so uh, the paper no edition is out. Uh, remind me of a date in May? Uh, it's out on the 13th of May. Which... 13th of May. Uh, so do get it on uh, Amazon or, you know, if, if you're a good egg, uh, Blackwells and Waterstones uh, or an independent uh, as well. Or... If uh, you don't fancy uh, paperback, the hard book cover is still available in many a location. Uh, do help yourself. And also just peruse the website as well, because I have definitely spent a few, uh, you know, like 15, 20 minute uh, periods just scrolling through the photos and videos uh, where the, his interview with Football Focus and uh, the, a really nice video, actually, um, which uh, BE Sport in Scotland uh, did in the new year as well. Uh, is also up there. Uh, so do go and watch that and thank you very much uh, for listening all and thank you to Matt again.